seated. Man, what a sweet time of worship. Thank you, Susan, Gary, Colin, Tim. As the children make their way downstairs, boy, there's a bunch of them this morning. You go, guys. They came for the leprechaun. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to First uh, Peter chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, uh, no worries. Uh, the Scripture will uh, pop up on the screen for you to read as we uh, move through it today. Um, but again, we are going to be in First Peter chapter 5. And today we close out our Hope in Hard Times series. Has this been productive for you guys? Has it been informative? Um, it's been kind of a slog, to be honest with you. I mean, we've been talking about, uh, you know, the, this message that Peter has to a group of believers that is being persecuted, uh, pushed out of their homes, and yet uh, Peter's challenging them to hold on, to stay true to their faith, even in the midst of that persecution. And so some very difficult challenges that we bump into in this series. So I appreciate uh, all of you hanging with me in this. Uh, Last week, if you were here, uh, you know we talked about uh, the necessity as a Christian to expect the unexpected. That was actually one of my points. Uh, To not be surprised, as as Peter put it in chapter 4, when pain enters the picture of your life, uh, to not to view suffering as something that's strange in the Christian life. Peter says it's not strange to suffer as a Christian. It's actually normative, and we should expect to suffer as a Christian. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that we would. That we would suffer as he suffered, that we would receive ridicule, that we would go through difficult seasons in our faith in the same way that he did. And so Peter says, don't be surprised when this happens to you. I'm reminded, I was reminded this week to be careful of what I say from the pulpit. Um, I try to always be as careful as I can. But last Sunday I said this, I said Nothing surprises me anymore. How many of you remember me saying that? I said, nothing surprises me anymore. And I tell you, when I said it, I meant it. You know, I've seen a lot. And, and, and it's every day brings something new. And, and many times I feel that way that just, boy, it doesn't matter. Bring it on. Nothing surprises me anymore. But just a day after I uttered those words, uh, my phone rang. And it was the athens Clark County Coroner. And uh, he was telling me, as, as next to Ken, that my, my brother Tim had been found dead in his home in Athens. Kim was there when I took that call Monday night. And uh, she can attest uh, to the fact that, honestly, uh, although Rachel, my daughter, also lives in Athens, so when you get a phone call from the Athens County Coroner, you know, uh, it, it, but she was out of town, so that didn't even really uh, enter my mind, thankfully, at the time. But uh, Kim can attest uh, to the fact that uh, I was honestly not surprised. <laughs> I was not surprised. 
I was deeply saddened, um, ultimately thankful that uh, Tim's chains uh, are gone, uh, but I was not surprised. You know, God has always had a way of making me live what I preach. So it's not surprising. He he keeps me on a short leash. I believe it has something to do with humility. And interestingly enough, as I had put this message together weeks ago, Peter finishes this letter to these folks who were in pain, these folks who were hurting, these folks who are going through what we honestly in suburban Atlanta can, can almost not imagine uh, experiencing. And he, he writes this letter and he concludes it uh, with a message in humility. And he calls these folks who are in pain, who are going through difficulty, to humble themselves. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 5, Peter begins the conclusion of his letter this way. He said, all of you, all you believers, he says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud... But he gives grace to the humble. You know, ironically, as I thought through this this week, um, pride can actually rise when you're in pain. Did you know that? But we don't think about that. But but actually, and, and almost more times than not, our pride can rise when we're in pain. We we often think of being humbled when we're hurting oh man that, that that's humbling so we think about it that way but but the opposite is often true what is pride man pride is an unhealthy focus on self it is the tree from which all sin grows it's the reason that satan was cast out of heaven Because he was all about himself. His focus was on himself. You know, the last thing we want to hear when we're in pain is that we're responding pridefully. Can you imagine? Hey, oh man, that's, that's a prideful response. You're kidding me, right? But the enemy, hear me now. The enemy uses pain in our lives. He'll use anything that he can. He uses pain in our lives to exploit our pridefulness. In other words, to turn our focus inward and to pull our focus away from God. Pain has a way of making life all about me. Man, this hurts. I can't believe this is happening to me. We want to protect ourselves when we're in pain. We want to take things into our own hands. And so we set up our defenses and we box God out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Does anybody get this other than me? How pride enters into the picture when we're in pain. But nobody's going to tell us that typically because that's the last thing you want to hear when you're in pain. But when we box God out, our situation goes from bad to worse because God does what? He opposes the proud. Our natural response is to push back when we're in pain. Our natural response is to blame others, including God, for the hurt that we feel. It's an unhealthy focus on self, and pain can quickly cause that pride to rise. And when we get to the place sometimes when we're just hurting, and we say, God, I'm done. I'm done. Anybody been there? God, you know, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I want to do this anymore. God, I'm trying to live a faithful life, but it just seems like all I get is hurt and pain. And it struck me what Gary said that St. Saint, Saint Patrick, enslaved by the people, talking about hurt, pain, beyond what we could possibly imagine, then goes back to share the love of Christ with the people of Ireland. That's humility that rises out of our pain. And that's what God calls us to in the midst of pain and suffering. But oftentimes the narrative in our own mind just says, God, I think I'll just hunker down now and I think I'm going to handle things myself from here on out because this thing with you doesn't seem to be working out. I'm still hurting. That's how pride rises when we're in pain. And it never takes us to a good place. That's why people walk away from God when they're hurting. That's why we, people never come out of the storm. Because they're not willing to humble themselves in the midst of it. And that is, I know that's not a, it's not a palatable message. Especially when you're in pain. But it's true. And that's what Peter is telling us. That's what he's telling these exiles in the first century. And Peter reminds them and he reminds us that humility fosters hope when we're hurting. Pain can rise when we have pride in our lives, but humility fosters hope when we're hurting. In other words, there is no more critical time to lean into the Lord than when you're hurting. And there is no more difficult time, typically, to lean into the Lord than when you're hurting. Peter says in verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. It's the picture of sovereignty. That no matter what's going on in our circumstances, no matter how bad we're hurting, no matter, no matter the pain that's entering our lives, remember, God is sovereign. God is in control. Even when everything looks like it's out of control, humble yourselves under His mighty hand and then He'll lift you up in due time. And that's a promise. Where do you need to lean in this morning instead of pridefully pulling back in your pain? One's much easier than the other. And I'm coming to understand in my walk with the Lord, 
I'm coming to understand more fully that leaning in when we want to pull back is the most heroic thing we can do in the Christian life. It's easy to pull back. It's easy to quit. It's easy to shake your finger at God. And He's big enough to handle that, by the way, and sometimes we need to do that. But leaning in when everything within you is telling you to pull back is the most heroic thing you can do as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter is pushing us and these first century Christians to do. Picking up that cross again when we feel like walking away from it. Peter goes on to tell us in the rest of chapter 5 here how to do that. You know, it's easy to say, but it's like, Phil, how do you do that? I mean, everything within me, every fiber of my flesh right now wants to push away because I'm hurting and I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know where God is. And how do I lean into him? Peter says this. He says, cast all your anxiety, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. In other words, step one, pray your pain God's way. Pray your pain God's way. Instead of internalizing your pain, your hurt, and your anxiety, speak it to God. Let your hurt, let your anger out on Him. David did it. We see it all through the Psalms. And God's big enough to handle it. His shoulders are broad. He can take it. Sometimes we just need to let it out. God, I don't get it. I'm mad. Let it out. Pray your pain His way. And when we don't do that, when we refuse to do that, a root of bitterness begins to grow within us and self-destructive pride begins to rise. I've seen this pattern in 25 years of ministry over and over and over again. People angry with God who ultimately... Don't work through it with God. And then this bitterness rises up. And their lives begin to self-destruct. God cares. That's what Peter's saying. God is sovereign. God cares no matter what it looks like. He's got your best interest at heart. There really is a purpose beyond the pain. There really is hope. Beyond the hurt in your life. And so Peter says, pray your pain God's way. And then don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. You ever been through a season of hurt, a season of pain, a season of disappointment, and kind of feel like you just deserve something? Don't act like you don't know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? I've been all faithful and everything. Man, I just That's about me right now. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. God can't make me feel good. I'll make me feel good. Hey, we've all been there. That is a dangerous, take it from me, learn from experience. That is a dangerous, dangerous place for a Christian to be. Don't let your guard down when you're going through hurt and pain. Peter said, be self-controlled. 
Maintain your composure. Be alert. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy doesn't care. He'll kick you while you're down until you're dead. His sole purpose for being is to separate you from God. And he will do absolutely anything, anything, no holds barred, to separate you from the love of God. But as a Christian, he can't do that. Because there is nothing, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. But you can feel that way. But He can't make it happen. And don't let your guard down. We are vulnerable when we're hurting. We do self-destructive things when we're in pain. The enemy knows that and he sits at the ready to finish you off. To lead you into destruction. To nullify your witness for Christ. Even to take your own life. Which is an epidemic today. And as much as you want to give up, when life isn't going your way, humility demands that you stay alert And you stay in control of your actions and your reactions. It's hard to do it when you're hurting. This again is the heroic place of faith. It's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to your fellowship of Jesus Christ. When every fiber of your flesh is screaming, God's not there, He's forsaken me, He doesn't care, and yet you pick up your cross to bear. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Peter reminds us here that we're in a battle. That we have an enemy who knows that we're vulnerable when we're hurting. And wants to take us out. Let me ask you something. Where have you let your guard down? Where are you letting your guard down right now? Where has hurt and disappointment taken you down a destructive path? And I deserve this. I mean, if I'm not going to get anything else good in my life, I'm going to get this. I can make this happen. I can make myself feel good. It's a lie. It's a lie. Peter says to respond With humility. You know, the meaning of the Greek word for humility is literally power under control. (laughs) It's not a doormat. It is the power of God in your life under control. Respond with humility, Peter says. Pray your pain God's way. Stay focused in your faith. And finally, Peter challenges These believers in the first century, and he challenges us today, man, hold your ground. Hold your ground. Even when you're hurting, hold your ground. Keep fighting. He says this, he says, resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Misery loves what? 
<laughs> That's what Peter's saying. You're not the only one. You ever felt like you were the only one? The Elijah syndrome? You're not the only one hurting. Man, we all go through pain and hurt, different seasons to varying degrees. And Peter's reminding us of that this morning. This is not strange. This is normative for the Christian life. Hold your ground. God is still there. God is still in control. God still loves you. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. Peter uses the term from the the very first few verses of this letter. He uses the term exiles to describe those Christians that he's talking to. Those Christians who've been driven from Jerusalem and are being persecuted. Christians who are desperately trying to stand firm in their faith. Listen to what one of the foremost experts on the church today, Ed Stetzer, has to say about us today living as exiles. How many of you feel like an exile? How many of you feel like a stranger in a foreign land? Just a few. Okay, listen to this. In the West, this is a guy that does more research on, on the trends of culture and the church today than anybody on the planet. He says, in the West, churches that take biblical authority seriously, and we do that here, are entering a new season. Biblically faithful believers in the long term will be marginalized in society. We're seeing that happen. Are you feeling that? With that being the case, we need to start teaching our people, he's talking to pastors, to live as exiles. The term exiles will once again rise as the motif to describe our situation as the church here in the West. And then he says this. He says, look at how we have progressed to this current state. A hundred years ago, the church was the chaplain to the culture. It functioned as the moral guardian. However, that role eventually waned. The church became viewed as the disapproving parent of culture. Eventually, nobody cared anymore if the church approved or disapproved. Now the church is left standing as an exile within the culture. As someone who lives in this every day, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And so the question is, as life becomes more difficult for the Christian, as pain enters the picture and your faith moves you further and further from the mainstream, which is what he's saying, will you hold your ground? Will you hold your ground? Are you willing to trust God and live as an exile in this culture? Or is that just a bridge too far? It will require great humility. That's what Peter is conveying to us. Paul put it this way to the Ephesians. He said this in Ephesians 6. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Stand your ground. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against what we see, he says. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil 
in the heavenly realms. And then he says this, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Hold your ground. Hold your ground, Peter says, when pain enters the picture. You know, storms are going to come into our lives. We've been talking about this throughout the course of, of this series. You know, you may not be in a storm now, and if you're not in one now, you're either coming out of one or you're heading into one. Life is just like that. And God allows those storms in our lives for three primary purposes. You know, write this down and remember this when, you, when you're going through a difficult time. God allows storms in our lives for three primary purposes purposes number one to perfect us to perfect us to make us more like jesus to shave off that flesh and 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 conform us more to his image the second reason he brings storms or allows storms in our life is to correct us to correct us to change our direction and so he will bring a storm to move us in another direction and the third reason storms are allowed is to protect us. We typically never see that. But God will bring pain sometimes into our lives to move us out of greater harm's way. Perfect you, correct you, and protect you. But regardless of the storm that we're in, we can hold on to Peter's final promise here. And I close this series with this verse, chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. We can hold on to this no matter what life brings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That's hope. That's the living hope we have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is a promise. And Peter says, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And I'm thankful that promise is true. I'm thankful it's true for my brother. I'm thankful it's true for me. And I'm thankful it's true for you. Hope doesn't always change your circumstances, but it always changes you. And Jesus Christ is the only hope we have. Let's bow our heads. Father, as we conclude this this series, this journey through Peter's letter to Christians in the crucible. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that those who are in the midst of pain and, and suffering this morning in, in situations in their lives that they don't understand, Lord, where, where, where they're just looking for you and almost feel like they're groping around in the darkness. Lord, I pray that you would shine your light 
in a way only you can. Even in this moment and in the moments that come as we close in worship, just to let each of us know that hope lives, that Christ lives. And Lord, He has overcome sin, He has overcome death, and He has overcome the grave. And Lord, the best, (laughs) the best is yet to come. And we thank You for that in Jesus' name. Amen.